Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's guest is Christopher Gannon, who's the founder of Captivate Talent. It's a business that helps you attract, hire, and retain talent for your SaaS company. You've probably figured out by now how challenging it is to find people who can join your company and who you can trust to help scale your business into what you envision it becoming. Hiring is challenging, it's hard, it's complicated, and it's a bit messy because you're dealing with people, but Christopher has found the answer for how you can do this in a reliable way so that your business can grow and scale. Stay tuned, here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We have another guest from our PodMax event. If you've never checked out the PodMax event, we have it every couple of months, and it always brings us some of the most incredible people who are out there. They're killing it. They're making it happen. And today is no different. I'm sitting down with Chris Gannon. He's the founder of Captivate Talent. You've heard me on the show talk about how important it is when you're scaling your business to find good people for your business. Now, as you may notice, I've talked about it's not, it's not so much about finding those people. It's actually a lot to do with how do you yourself create a business that people want to work for, that they're attracted to, that you can actually retain high quality people in. Chris does this for a living. We're going to be talking about it today. I'm excited for this episode. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Blake. I'm super, super excited today. Well, I'm, I'm really thrilled to have you on the show. I think you're going to share so many great insights. First things first, I got to ask you, the jersey behind your shoulder. What's the jersey? Jordy Nelson, man. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan and I grew up in Jersey, so it's kind of weird. But when I was five, my favorite color was green and I was smart enough not to be an Eagles or a Jets fan. Yeah. Well, so. especially, you know, years later, you've made the right decision. <laughs> so <laughs> we hope so, especially this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I ask because I'm actually a diehard Green Bay fan myself. Uh, and the way it started for me was I think I was like maybe seven or eight years old and someone gave me a Green Bay hat. I'd never watched an NFL game in my life. And then like from that moment, it was like, that's my identity now. I'm a Green Bay yep. fan. I'm stoked about it. Now, have you been to Lambeau Field when it's like, you know, zero or yep. degrees or whatever? Yep. Sunday night football, Packers, <laughs> Eagles, end of November is oh, about man. 12 degrees out. Yeah, and that lake effect wind was not great. I told my wife, cause she was, we were, we were joking about like, what are our goals for our life? And I was like, you know, I think for me, it's to go to Lambo when it's like frigid cold. And she was like, that sounds awful. And I was like, yeah, they'd be really right there. Yeah. It's you got to so do it at least cool. once. Got to so. do it. Well, let's, we talk, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we're at this PodMax event. Obviously it's great to sit down with you. It's a fun event in and of itself. Tell me, tell me, where are you calling in from today? So I'm in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is now my office slash home. 
these days. Okay, cool. You know, I just had a guest on the show who's also from New Jersey. And then I had someone two weeks ago. I, I guess all the New Jersey people are getting on my show for some reason. So what's what's like the, the um, for people, I have people who listen to the show who are all over the place, not just in the United States, but all over the world. What's like the thing about New Jersey that everyone needs to check out, try, see, taste, whatever? Uh, Fiori's Deli in Hoboken is like one of the best classic like deli sandwiches you'll ever get in your life i love it <laughs> and I, I can't say like better things about it and the pizza here it's better than new york pizza we just it's low key uh, that is that shots fired there like would people have a problem it, with that it's or? most people in new york would probably admit it but they'll never say <laughs> it so you know <laughs> I've noticed that with New York, there's this really weird, um, it feels like New York is constantly posturing, like beating on New Jersey. I don't know if they, they're insecure. I don't know what's happening there, but I hear it. I have a friend in New York and I he mentions it almost in every conversation of like, well, yeah, well, it's not Jersey. And I'm like, is this like a thing? Like, is this like, what is going on here? We, we let that go. So when you land in New Jersey at Newark airport, if you're going to New York, it's just miles of like gross highway, shipping containers, power plants, <laughs> and then you get into New York. But the rest of New Jersey is like actually awesome beaches, beautiful mountains. So we just let all the people think we're yeah, like yeah. that and yeah, we yeah. just let them go. Now, like, I got I to gotta ask, because you mentioned this really great deli place. What was it called again? Fiori's Deli. I know what, what's like the go-to order there. What do people need to Thursday pick up? or Saturday, they have the roast beef special and it's like this whole roast beef that they cook down in its own juices and then they put it on a roll with like fresh mozzarella and it's like so simple. Well, so I mean, good. naturally it's almost, it's almost lunchtime for me. So now I'm starving listening to you. <laughs> I, I got to ask you, are you the kind of person who you find your order and you get that every time? Or are you somebody who you always, like my wife, for example, she's the kind of person who she will always do something different, but she razzes me because when I find like that sandwich, like that roast beef sandwich, I will order it every single time because I know it's consistently good. I'm, I'm, if I told you to go to Fiori's Deli and get that sandwich and you're like, yeah, it looked good, but I got something else. Internally, I'd be like, I don't want to talk to you. Right <laughs> I'm, I'm <now."> judging you. <laughs> I'm actually just annoyed that yeah. I went out of my way to tell you that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You just went somewhere else with it. So. so, all my listeners, if you get something else, don't tell Chris about it because it's going to cause some issues. But, Chris, like I said, man, I'm excited to have you on the show today. Man, I'm just excited to talk about this world. It feels like we've made hiring so much more complicated. And there, there's a few different ways I want to get into this conversation. Before we do, though, Give the audience sort of like this 30,000 foot view on what is Captivate Talent? What do you do there? I mean, what does this business look like? Tell us about it. So I started Captivate Talent in 2017 and my mindset was to kind of build a better mousetrap. Recruiting is a bit commoditized. There's a lot of people that do it, but it's not done well um, externally from a lot of agency perspectives. So um, our focus was to help startups build their revenue teams. Um, so we only focus on placing revenue professionals, so sales, marketing, customer success, and we only work with your early to growth stage startup companies. So seed to series B, series C is our bread and butter. And it's because those people need the most help defining, building their hiring process and getting talent in the door. They don't have like a Facebook or an IBM that just puts out a flag and says we're hiring and they get 10,000 applicants. Right, right. Now, what, what made you start the business? I mean, why, why this business? Oof. Uh, so I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur. Um, my grandmother in many aspects was an entrepreneur on my dad's side. Um, so I always had that 
internal bug in me. Um, so I worked for a really big corporate company out of school, which was the opposite of probably what was what I wanted to do, but it was what I needed at that time, taught me a lot of discipline. Uh, and then I worked for two startups as their head of talent. And it was really cool and it was really fun, but I didn't like being a back office guy because that's what you are when you're an internal recruiter at a company. You're kind of a back office guy. Um, went to a festival called Propelify. Um, saw a lot of people do like cool entrepreneur stuff, looked around and said, I can do this and I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was a pretty quick decision, but it was also a long coming decision at the same time. Uh, and I started Captivate Talent and it's actually a real company now. Um, so up until this year, I never called myself a founder because I, I needed to feel like I really earned it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. I was looking at your website and I was looking at your team and I was like, yeah, this is, you never know when people come on a podcast. Yep. Like I had, I had a guy one time who he was like describing all the things that he did and he was like, you know, I'm a financial expert, you know, I'm doing all these big deals. And I looked him up and uh, he was like just a part-time employee somewhere like at a, at a deli or something. And I was like, this is not what you told me you were. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a real business. I'm looking at it right now. You got a real team. Talk to me a little bit, you know, so you've been in business for a few years now. You've also, you get a badge of honor because you are, your, your business is moving forward despite this crazy pandemic that we're in. Talk to me about what the journey of, I mean, you, you have your own startup, you have your own business, you know, for those of us who were in the thick of it ourselves, What's this past few years been like for you? You know, I, I, I mean, the, the first year, year and a half, um, it, it was actually kind of easy because I, I knew recruiting and like my, I was just really managing myself and then like one other person and, you know, then, then two. And that was kind of like, I've done that before. I've managed two people and I've managed big teams before. Um, so that wasn't necessarily that hard and it wasn't necessarily hard to start a business. Everyone was like, congratulations, you started a business. I was like, well, legal's, legal Zoom, 500 bucks and yeah. uh, <laughs> built a quick website and yeah, yeah. it wasn't hard to start it. Right. Um, but then over the last year, especially like growing, sustaining and enduring were the big things. I mean, 2020 was supposed to be like third full year in business. That's like, I'll pay myself. I, you know, I'm going to do some big things in life and we'll really scale. Maybe we'll go get some external investment because we were boot, we've been bootstrapped up until this point. And then March happened and it was like, our business didn't slow down. It stopped. Mm -hmm. Like the lights got turned off from a client perspective and it was scared. Like everyone was scared. And as a business leader, you have to sit there and be like, I'm not scared. And you're like, what do you mean? I'm not scared internally in your head. You're like, I'm terrified. It's a global pandemic. We have no business. Our clients stopped calling us. What are we going to do? Um, and, you know, I kind of made the decision to press on and let's keep it together and hold everyone together as long as possible. Cause I, you know, I didn't think it was right or healthy to lay people off or furlough them in the middle of like a global pandemic. And we came out of 2020, like gangbusters. I mean, the last few months and what this year looks like so far is really, I think, a true testament to the team that got us through this and endured. Well, and you know, you're giving glimpses of your own leadership philosophy because even before we hit hit record on Zoom, you mentioned how you know you say we a lot, you don't say I a lot. You know, right there, you you didn't brag on your own, which I'm I'm sure you are an incredible leader in your own right. I mean, any business that made it through 
COVID this last year, I mean, that, that has a, a level of leadership quality that not a lot of businesses have. But even hearing you talk about your team and how great they are, I mean, that says a little bit about your perspective when it comes to helping other businesses find talent, recruit talent, retain talent. Um, we don't always have that right perspective, it feels like, especially when we're going through a really challenging time. It's it's so weird though too like to to say that because like the the leadership philosophy like it's like be a good person try to help people and try not to suck and I, I've said that before externally and it actually caught on to somebody I was like why is that like some innovative thing like be be good like treat people the way you want to be treated uh, and and just don't suck the way you do things like do things the right way and it might not always be the most profitable way. But at the end of the day, it should pay off tenfold for you because you did it right. Yeah, and I, I think I think what I love about that, and it's something that I've tried to do on the show a lot, is really stick to these really simple concepts. And yet, I mean, you said it yourself, it's like it's like this doesn't always click for people. It doesn't always. It's almost like we make it harder than it has to be. Why is it that we have such a hard time taking care of our people? I think people are selfish sometimes. And maybe just greedy, um, it could be, um, or people don't put themselves in that that perspective of like, hey, maybe I need to offer health benefits off the bat because God, what if I was 26 years old, just came off my parents' health benefits and had to go to the doctor and something was actually wrong? Like, how would you be able to focus on work if mm-hmm. you're thinking about that every day or every time you don't feel good? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you know, Richard Branson said it, like, if you take care of your people, they take care of their customers. Like that's such a simple philosophy that everyone, like you don't need to go to Harvard business school to figure that one out. Like, And yet it feels like so often, like it's, it's like, I was talking to a business owner who their employees were quitting in mass and we were talking about just some basic leadership stuff. And she was like, okay, I've heard all this before though. I already, I already know all this stuff. Like I already get like, you know, and, and I wasn't saying so much like the cliches of like servant leadership, but these things that are just so common and so basic, she was pushing back on it saying, I already get all that stuff. And I was like, okay, you may, you may get it, but it's not happening because your people are quitting. Like that's, that's the simple truth of it. Well, I, I think bigger or sometimes what happens with some organizations, they, they, the perception of leadership, they get it wrong. Um, like when I was earlier on in my career, it was like, you want to be a manager, you want to be a manager. And it was like, cause you have power mm. when you're a manager, like no one taught me. It's like, you are here for these people. And now like every day, like I'm the boss. Like I, I hate when people call me the boss or they say like, oh, my boss is going to get on the call. Like it makes me cringe a little bit. Cause it's like such a weird, like way to look at somebody. <laughs> but like, I wake up every morning for my team. Like that gets me out of bed every morning. Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, the last year I made less money than I've ever made in the last couple of years of my career. It was harder. I worked longer, but every day I got out of bed because I had a team and yeah. I was excited to help them get through to the next level. Well, it feels like when we talk about this concept of retaining talent, people even miss it here where they don't, you know, we, we talk a lot about building those raving fans for customers who want to buy from you again and again and again. And we don't always put a lot of energy or attention around how do I have an employee who wants to work here long term, who loves working here. And I think that, re- that retention piece, a lot of times 
we don't always think of it as like, okay, I'm willing to sacrifice as a leader so that this person loves it here. A lot of times when we think about retention, we're thinking about um, loyalty programs in the business, perks in the business, things like golden handcuffs, like where they literally yep. they have to work here long-term. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what's your insight there on like retaining people, making them want to work for you, you know, that whole thing. So I, I think like, you know, it's funny, you, you look at... Um, you look at the last year, like, uh, like us, especially like, I didn't have like money to roll out like a $10,000. Like what? Like I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll you can expense a zoom, a gym class if you want, like here and there, like, we'll do what we can. Um, you can take a master class if you need to <laughs> yeah. keep your mind, um, occupied. Um, but I, I think retention comes down to like, if people know you're showing up for them, they'll want to work for you and they'll work harder for you. Um, and if they know you work hard for them, it's like a give and take. And mm-hmm. that's what you, you should do. And you should want it to, if you're, if you're like an up and coming leader, or you want to be in leadership or management, and none of these things that we're talking about right now are clicking for you, just go be an individual contributor somewhere. You're going to be a lot happier. And it feels like that has to be okay. Right. I mean, it feels like a lot of us, I, I don't know if it's like a, a corporate mindset or what have you, but it's almost like everyone thinks, okay, I have to be on manager track, like to get to that role of being a manager when you know, sometimes people, and it's the old cliche of like the person who was the really phenomenal individual contributor who now is like, like the great salesperson who's now running the sales team. They're, and they're terrible God, manager. Yeah, they're <laughs> God awful at it. You know, and it feels like, it feels like we've made it not okay to just like, yeah, you're just going to stay in that spot. You're going to stay in that zone and that's going to be your zone. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you can evolve out of that space too. Like I was a very good IC at one point in my career, or well, I still, I guess I have to be today um, as a, a founder and entrepreneur. But like when I think of myself in the corporate world, I was a really good IC and they moved me to manager. I was terrible. I was a terrible manager because I thought these people were just here to like funnel and help me with my business mm-hmm. and make me more money. And it was like the totally, it was 26 years old. It was like the totally wrong way to look at it. And, but that's what I knew. And that's what I was told. So like, yeah, you have to, I mean, some high level ICs make more money than their managers. A lot of them do actually, most often. I mean, we do sales recruiting and the ICs make pretty good money. It makes me think of, there was a a business I was working with where they had this one guy, it was a, uh, uh, a furniture uh, factory plant, whatever thing. And uh, they were trying to move a guy up from basically the floor to like this manager role. And he was like, I don't, I don't want to, I just, I'm really happy with being on the line. And they were like, well, we should, we should move this person forward. We should move them up in the business. And he was like, I just, I just don't want to like, can't that just be okay. And there was like this weird tension of like, well, how do we, how do we, um, I don't know if rewards the right word, but like, how do we keep like the momentum going for this person? If they don't necessarily want that manager role, you know, you have to, there's gotta be like financial incentives. Maybe you bring them into different parts of the company where they have a seat at the table. But, you know, when they walk out the door at the end of the day, like it's, you know, uh, Brad, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper's character, or what's his name, in uh, The Hangover, when he walks out of school, yeah. and he's like, it's the weekend, I don't know you, I don't care. <laughs> like, that's what some people just want. Yeah, They don't want to, you know, when you're in leadership, it's a 7 a.m. call that 
somebody's not feeling good or yeah. hey their their girlfriend just broke up with them and they can't come to work because they're a wreck and they're it's the first time it's happened to them and or you know you have to deal with those things and you have to expect those things and you have to genuinely care about them too it's almost like we it's like the real perspective like the real what what leadership really is versus what we like to make it seem it's kind of <laughs> like um you know it's like oh i'm the boss and so i get to put ceo on my title even though i don't manage anyone and you know all these different things that are just they make me feel really good and it's not unlike entrepreneurship you know i don't even seen like there's an old youtube video of a guy who's like i'm an entrepreneur and it's like really classy and like cool. And, and then you actually get into entrepreneurship and you're like, this is miserable. And like, I hate myself. And like, you know, it's like, I feel like leadership, the same is, thing. it really is yeah, it's yeah. like, this is, this is really, I, I just was on the phone. I actually had somebody who told me he got a text from one of his employees and he doesn't have this kind of relationship. Like he's not very, um, he doesn't know this employee very well, very well. And, uh, he helps run a hospital and his employee couldn't come in and she texted him and said, I can't come in. I have poop coming out like constantly. And he was like, I can't believe she just told me this i don't even know her but then he was like wow this is really being the boss is really not um this illustrious thing like now i i'm dealing with her i'm trying to find a replacement i don't know what to do it's it's really not as sexy as we make it like if you work for a fortune thousand company and you're like a big time executive maybe that's where you got it (laughs) like you're you're just hanging out and you're having fun um but most of the time yeah leadership's about like it's serving if you're working for others I mean, I would even, even to add on to that, I have, so in, in my area, we have three Fortune 500s. We have Walmart, J.B. Hunt, and Tyson, all headquartered here. I've worked with a huge number of executives at all three of these companies. And, and even in Fortune 500 companies, it's not any different. It's not sexy at all. It's the same, it's the same crap, same junk. Um, you know, it, it's just interesting. And it, it feels like... It feels like the, and I love what you said about waking up and serving your people. And you think about like the traditional pyramid of like the boss at the top and everyone in the front line are at the bottom, you know, flipping that pyramid where now you're at the bottom and it's like, how do I serve these people? It feels like that's the secret sauce to a sustainable business. There's like a, there's like a silly picture. It's not actually that silly. It's, it's should make everyone think when they see it on LinkedIn and it's this person like sitting on top of it's like this ancient Egyptian that he's like whipping his team and saying, let's go, let's move on. And then the, the other picture is that boss pulling it with his team saying, let's go, let's go. We got it. It's you have to think in that second mindset. And if you're not close to that, just go do something else. <laughs> it's okay. It has to be okay. Right. Otherwise people are wow. going to be miserable under you. You're going to ruin, you'll ruin somebody's life. <laughs> you, you could potentially, a bad boss potentially does. Think about it. We're, m- most of us work more than 40 hours a week. Uh-huh. So a good portion of our waking day is spent working. If you were a bad leader, that person that works for you is having a miserable experience every day of their life. And they will remember you forever. I mean, think about every like small group conference, whatever they go to in the future when they get asked about a bad boss. I mean, I've had, I've had events where I've <laughs> asked people about their bad boss and they will mention bosses from a decade before that they've, it's like a wound that they've never gotten over. Ne- never will forget. <laughs> it, it makes me like, I always look back when I was a younger manager and I'm like, Ooh, was I a bad boss? Like, and I, I think about like the people that work for me, like most of them still talk to me. So maybe I yeah. wasn't as bad, but I wasn't good. Yeah, I, I think about, so I, I'm working in like this leadership space and this management space. And I think about people who I managed a decade ago, if they were to know what I do now, I'm sure some of them would be like, you're not qualified to talk about that. You were a terrible boss. And part of it's like the journey we're on, but I, I think, I think you're so right. It's like, there's this, this permanent uh, outcome for better or worse, based on how well you take care of your people. So 
my my past people would call me soft these days. They would definitely <laughs> say you got a little soft, which I've totally gotten, but yeah. on purpose. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I mean, getting back, thinking about this whole concept of like retaining people, it feels like there's two parts of the conversation, and you you alluded to it earlier. There's this part that is very tangible around incentives, paying your people. Uh, and I and one really easy example here is I had a person who she was hiring for a position. She told me the average starting pay was $70,000. And she said, I need to find someone who's going to take $35,000. So you have that piece of it of like, how do I find people without actually dealing with the tangible stuff? And then you have this other piece of it where people are getting, they're getting those financial incentives, but they're miserable, miserable there. They don't feel like they matter. The culture is really toxic. Um, it, they're, they're working on the weekends, what have you. It feels like a lot of times we don't realize that both of these things are important. Either you have a company that, you know, they do maybe pay their people well, but it's really toxic. Or, you know, I've worked in businesses before where it's like, hey, we just, we're just all here to give back. You know, we don't, we don't really pay people. We just want to give back. And I'm like, okay, well, I, you know, I'd like to give back and also be given to if that's okay. Talk to me a little bit about these two worlds that we kind of find ourselves in sometimes. Yeah, so the 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 easiest one for me to put myself in because I was there at one point was the the culture where it's all about how much money you make, and at the end of the day, it's like what are you what are you sacrificing from a soul perspective mm. for that money? Um, so you you really have to watch out for that that toxic culture because it doesn't matter at the end of the day because you'll either breed this world of these toxic people that keep replicating that culture or the good people and the good people are just going to bail out. At one point, they're just going to say enough's enough. I can't deal with this anymore. It's not worth it. Like, I do not care if it's 300, 500, a million dollars. It's just not worth it for my life. Um, so, yeah, you have to be really careful because it doesn't matter how much you pay people. Sometimes it's not about money. Um, and I recruit salespeople. And I'm telling you that it's not always just about money. Listen, they'll, they'll put on a big front and talk about their OTE and stuff like that. But when you really dive into it, mm-hmm. why they're looking to leave there's always another underlying issue. Very few salespeople just want to move jobs because of money, Mm. which definitely would break the stigma for most people probably listening to this. Um, It's usually a bad boss. They got their commission plan screwed around, uh, screwed about with, or, you know, their culture's just bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as people go, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no, go. Well, I was going to say, you know, it feels like also when we think about not just people leaving, but bringing in new talents, I'm sure you get exposed to all sorts of different lines of thinking, especially in the, and, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be rude and razz the startup world, but it feels like the startup world's a little bit of a big offender of this where they bring in talent through promises of um, some sort of like ownership stock, ownership plan. Hey, here's how we're going to incentivize you. Whenever the company hits this many users or sales, you're going to get this slice. And I see a lot of young talent, especially who they spin their wheels for a year or two waiting for the company because you know the startup world, it's, it's, a, it's similar to the entrepreneurship world in that there's a lot of good vibes and feelings on, here's where this business is going to go. Here's what we're going to do. And I got to tell you, I'm a little bit apprehensive on the young talent that's getting lured in to these very sexy looking businesses that don't have a lot of substance. W- what's your take on that? Is And I don't want to be unfair. I guess there's, there's, no, 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 no. there's you're, great you're... startups out there. I just... It feels like that slice specifically, I'm seeing it happen a lot. 
you know, it, it's like the options, like, oh, we'll give you a hundred options. And like, at the end of the day, you know, you hold on to those hundred options that are worth like $45 and you're like, right. what <laughs> did I just take? Like, you don't really know. Uh, so the startup world over the last couple of years has actually gotten better with paying market rate. Um, so there's very few companies that we see, or at least we work with, um, that are trying to undercut salary by like 20, 30%. Um, so they have adjusted to that. And, you know, it seems like funding's gotten a bit bigger. You know, Series A isn't like the small little piece of funding anymore. It's usually something substantial. So they're able to pay better for talent because the last couple of years, there's been the overused term is the war on talent, um, which is like, okay, cool, good good term, but you know, it's nobody's killing each other over <laughs> anyone out there. I hope not at least. Uh, but so startups have wised up a bit and started to say, we need to level off comp and we need to pay a bit, a bit more fairly. Um, we can't just sell somebody on the ball pit we have mm-hmm. and the, the 20 options we're going to give them in the dream. Um, so they've gotten a lot better at that. And lots of these startups too, you know, are the leaders in, they've made these other companies shift in the way they think about culture, wellness, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they have gotten a bit better, but I would say, yeah, you're right. There are people that sometimes get lured in and they just don't know any better. And it almost feels like, like you said, the startup world is maturing a bit in the sense of, it almost feels like, you know, you mentioned just the different levels of funding. It almost feels like maybe even four or five years ago, there was so much energy around, um, startups in Silicon Valley, these unicorns, and you'd have, you'd have people who were very literally starting the startup with aspirations of, I don't need to fundraise. I don't need to even build a working product. I just need to, you know, find that one person who's going to make my business come alive. And we're going to be like the next Airbnb. We're going to be the next Uber. We're going to be, and it feels like nowadays people are actually thinking about like the longevity of a business. How am I going to build this thing? How am I going to grow this thing? How am I going to actually nurture talent? Um, maybe that's part of the reason why it's, it's gotten a little bit better. They're trying to build more sustainable companies. And also, I think not everyone's trying to IPO. There's a shift in like, hey, like <laughs> you could build a 40-person company that gets acquired and like we'll be happy to invest in that because that's a lot easier than like, look at WeWork when you open up the books and dive into right. it. You might have some hurdles when you try to IPO. Yeah, yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about you know changing the conversation a little bit. Um, some of your favorite, you said you you the, the recruiting game's pretty easy for you. It's come naturally to you. People often don't know what to even do like on an interview level. They don't know what does it mean to actually retain or excuse me, recruit high quality people. What are some of your your hacks or your insights for bringing in strong talent? How do we do this well? Especially some of my listeners, maybe they're thinking about that first hire, which can feel so monumental. And if it doesn't go well, it's like, I'm never hiring again. I just totally, I totally blew it. What What's some of the things that you've seen work really well in the hiring world? So... First, a caveat, everyone makes mistakes, even <laughs> myself. Um, and I've been hiring for 15 plus years now, uh-huh. recruiting for 15 years. So you will make mistakes and they are okay. You just need to learn from those mistakes. Um, but I think the first thing you have to do is you have to you have to look at yourself as a company and say, what makes us special? What makes us unique? What makes us different? Who are some of our competitors and why are we different? So why does somebody want to come work here? Like, and then you have to be your own hype man. If you're not hyping up your own company and you're not truly excited about what you're going to offer a candidate, the same way you're building a product that you're going to go offer a client, you shouldn't be hiring somebody because that means you haven't have, you don't have it figured out yet. 
So you have to think of really like what you're offering. You have to be able to ready to bring that to market a few different ways. Um, you have to be able to advertise it, run it through your network. Um, tell somebody maybe like me why you're so special and why somebody works there. And then you also have to be really realistic about yourself. Hey, I'm a two person company. Like maybe we can't go get this level of talent and maybe we have to go get that level of talent. Or maybe mm. we can't pay somebody this because they're a little bit overqualified. Yeah. It's like I've had a conversation with someone before who they were like, I just need those 18 players. And I was like, you're, you're not going to get the 18 players. You, you can't afford them. Like you need to start thinking about that next tier, those diamonds in the rough, even that you could get to your company. And I love what you said about, you know, being your own hype, man. I, I think what happens sometimes too, is that whatever you hype around your business has to be actually true. Cause there's nothing worse than the person who actually gets into the company and they're like, wow, this is not what I thought it was. This is not what you told me it was. Or maybe even the person who they're hyped up by the boss and then they talk to the other employees and they're like, miserable. They're like, don't work here. You know, it's, and so that, that disconnect, I think happens a lot too. Well, that goes back to being like a leader that yet, yeah, if you're having open and honest conversations with people, mm-hmm. like you should know what the pulse is of your, your team, your company, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you really have to be honest with yourself. Well, let me ask you about a couple of other um, hiring strategies, and I'm 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 going to call them strategies a little tongue in cheek because I don't know if yeah. I'd call them strategies, but I've even I use LinkedIn pretty heavily. I don't know if you use LinkedIn a lot. I see these concepts put on LinkedIn often, and I, I'm just curious since you work in the hiring world, I'd love to get your perspective on it. But I one example I'll give two examples actually. One of them was this person was giving a hiring tip. And they said, while your potential employees waiting for the interview, have a load of laundry dumped on the office table. And then when they come in, leave them there, leave the room. When you come back, if the clothes are folded, this is someone who is a go-getter, who is empathetic. They're looking to give. They're wanting to, you know, whatever. And that means this is a great hire. Uh, The second example is... When an employee, a potential employee comes in, offer them a cup of coffee or a glass of water, what have you. And then when the interview is over, if they offer to, hey, can I go clean out my cup for you? Again, this is someone who's a giver. This is someone who you need to promote. I mean, this is someone who really gets it. And if they don't, if they just leave the cup there, this is someone who is selfish, who doesn't think about uh, the business as a whole. And even if the interview went great, they're probably not a great hire. I would love to get your take on those two examples. Those are, and these are examples, by the way, that I I saw and actually I mean, have seen. They're yeah, real, I, I, they're real okay. examples with, with <laughs> real, real likes on it. I'm talking hundreds of likes. Yes, comments. Oh that are my like, god, love this. Do it. You know, um, you're the hiring it, guy. I mean, t- tell me. It, it, I mean, what's going on here? Look, if you're gonna build, I'd, I'd love to see how big those people's companies are because they're probably president of a one person LLC that has their <laughs> name on it. Um. If you're hiring based upon if somebody folds laundry for you, like you are off the reservation. Like that is <laughs> that is so insane. Let, let, I'll give you a, a real example of something that I've seen before. I've taken people out to lunch and I've paid attention about like how they interact with the wait staff because that sometimes can show you empathy sure. and ego too. Sure. Like are they acting like they're above somebody that's serving them in some way, shape, or form? So that's like maybe a a normal way to do it. But, you know, even the cleaning out the cup, like 
somebody might be so focused or so nervous or so excited. Like they don't even think about that cup of coffee that's sitting next to them because they're so locked in and they're going to get up, walk away. And you're going to be like, Oh, you didn't clean out your cup. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. Like it's, there's so much bad advice on hiring out there. And it's like one of them hire fast, fire fast, like hire fast. Why, mm-hmm. why would you rush a hiring process? You're about to ask somebody to commit a half of their waking day or waking week to you. You're going to just blow them through a hiring process real fast. So you can get them in the door and then make a quick decision on somebody. Like it's yeah, the LinkedIn pundits. It's kind of like, there's just so much bad advice out there. How do we, how do we, you know, it's, it's interesting because it feels like, it feels like there's so many, um, not even controversial, but just conflicting perspectives how does a business owner, like what hope do we have as business owners to, I mean, like, I, like I'd have no problem saying, Hey, if you want to learn about hiring, you need to talk to Chris. Like this is someone who's going to give you the right perspective. But like for people who don't know you, they're just, they're just trying to, they just desperately want that strong hire. Like what hope do we have well, to have the right perspective with so much bad advice? You know what? It's, it's like a society thing. Like we just want this instant like version of advice just served to us without any thought put into it. So I, I think, and I, I see these same posts on LinkedIn, they drive me absolutely bananas and it takes everything in my power not to just get on my keyboard and start <laughs> boring on LinkedIn with people. Yeah. Uh, but nobody wants to like check into like who these people are giving out this advice. Like if you jump in and you see a really good piece of advice and you, or you think it's good and you click on somebody's background and again, it's like, is this person like hanging out at a deli part-time? Have they run their own one-person company for the last five mm. years? Maybe they're not the best person to listen to from hiring advice because the last time they did it was 15 years ago. Mm. Like who is actually giving you the advice and are they a specialist in this area? Like, Do they know what they're talking about? Do they see it both internally and externally every day? Are they living in it? Like that's the person I want advice from. Like I don't want sales advice from the guy who did it 10 years ago and worked at like one cool company that ended up going public while they were there. I want somebody who's like the VP of sales running a team of 25 people right now. Like that's who I want to ask mm, questions about like sales too. Pioneering. They're out like making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. So there's, you have to be careful with like the consultants and the pundits and the, the LinkedIn celebrities or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> celebrities is the nice word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Chris, this so don't just... do those two things, by the way, <laughs> yeah, do yeah. not do those. <laughs> well, oh, man. Uh, Chris, this has been such a fun conversation, man. I feel like we just scratched the surface. Um, we're, we're running towards the end of our conversation. Tell my listeners for people who they want to connect with you. They want to follow up with you. Maybe they even want to work with you. What does that look like for my listeners to engage with you? Yeah. So captivatetalent.com is our, our beautiful website that was redone over COVID. Um, one of my employees decided to take it upon herself and build it from the ground up again. Um, so always going the extra step. That's a good tip for anybody who wants to work for us or work in a company in general. Um, our LinkedIn is Captivate Talent. You can find me on LinkedIn, Chris Gannon. Um, and in terms of people that want to work for us, we are hiring, but you just have to get in touch with me because a good recruiter should be able to get in touch with me aside from just applying to a job. I love it. Chris, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Blake, this was awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
Hey, for everybody listening, I'm going to put those links to CaptivateTalent.com. I'm also going to put Chris's LinkedIn profile down in the episode description below. Uh, make sure you check out their snazzy new website and absolutely connect with Chris, especially if you're thinking about making your next hire for your business. You want someone like Chris in your corner who can help you give you the right perspective. Hey, if you've been listening to this podcast and you're enjoying this episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so we can keep bringing you good advice wherever you are. And hey, don't don't forget, we are on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash good advice. If you want to buy me or my guest a cup of coffee, or hey, if you even want to promote your business on the podcast, you can do that on our Patreon. Again, it's patreon.com slash good advice. Hey, thanks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And hey, we'll catch you later. See ya.